0: Snozzberries taste like snozzberries. Okay. Hello, and welcome back to Elevating the Genre, Volume 2, Episode 4. We are your co-hosts. I am Christopher Morrison, and that wonderful man is... Dama. Ma. and we are here to talk about all things that make smart, geeky stuff actually smart and mostly geeky. Here we are at the end of our first volume two uh month uh again for those that maybe uh are joining us uh haven't joined us in the last couple episodes we have switched over to good old volume two in good comic book style for no apparent reason um outside of our desire to do so
1: <laughs> yeah also you could think of it as 204 if you want to think of it as seasons in that uh, show that's
0: true yes if you especially if you're a bit torn fan you always have to like plug that plug that fucking E P 2 i know uh, no, uh s-o-4-e-o-6 or whatever yeah that kind yeah, of stuff that's, that's
1: the only the way he recognized It's the only way he recognized <laughs> to get the old bit it's enough, a numerical so. system i think people are becoming used to yes
0: <laughs> think, absolutely think like, so we've changed our format just a little bit where we talk about the things on sort of a month uh monthly viewpoint uh october was sci-fi trope month and we're bringing it all to a close here with uh a little bit of alien uh, franchise. We've already made our we already made our way out in outer space with Star Trek. Uh, we went uh, fast forwarding into some future dystopia with some um, Blade Runnering, and then we uh, went back to the old uh, motherland, the geeky motherlands of Star Wars last week. <laughs>
1: yes, Tom, like something... <laughs> The motherlands. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a place to return to. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. But again, it's the end of October. God damn it! I can't get Dom to talk about horror movies. So, uh, but I got uh, we can we compromised on some Alien, the Alien franchise. But before we get into that, we are. going Oh, gonna, we're
1: gonna talk about horror movies.
0: We, yes, well, we're gonna a little bit today. Yes, of I,
1: course. I can I can talk about a lot of stuff that I'm not personally saturated with knowledge about. Yes,
0: Jeez. of course, of course. <laughs> but you know, I'm not yes, not to my satisfaction, of course, because I am a picky well, bastard about it. But That's okay.
1: Satisfaction.
0: Chris. That is a good point, Tom. That is a good point. Before we do any of that stuff, we are going to talk about um, what's elevating our genre, which is always a segment we have where we uh, sort of try to turn you on to what we think is smart and cool currently, uh, or in the past, out in the geeky world, and what we're personally sucking down into our our geeky little brains. Um, Dom went first last week. I'll go ahead and jump on board. Of course, shock surprise. We're coming up on the end of October. I'm going to talk about a horror movie. Um, And, you know, my... I'm going back a little bit of ways, and I've just got to give some props to the good old Blair Witch Project. Uh, I know for some people,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> as Dom said last week, you know, Star Wars may have signaled the death of cinema for some people. Um, the Blair Witch Project may have signaled the death of the horror movie for certain other people because <laughs> although while not inventing the found footage film, um, it certainly it's helped. It it, it certainly fucking popularized it to the point where, um, much like Star Wars, because of the way it was made and the way it was marketed and the way it was presented and the way it penetrated the the consciousness of the people at the time, it reestablished so many things in terms of – not just in terms of tropes and the way storytelling gets made but the way movies actually get made, marketed, and funded, Um, much like Star Wars. I know obviously on a much smaller scale, but still for the little – niche world that is uh the horror movie um it it redefined everything it totally blew uh all expectations out of the water uh it it really started i i would say it probably started the micro budget cinema movement and also you know i know it sounds crazy people probably forget because it's been parodied so much and you know look everything loses its luster in that weird 10 to 15 year time frame everybody everybody hates shit right like like everybody still is starting everybody's like getting back into like 90s horror movies now but everybody remembers it sort of at the time and like once you're 10 years removed from any segment of time everybody shits on whatever it was but like the blair the the heather moment in blair witch where she's freaking out in the tent and like she's she's so crying and there's snot literally coming out of her nose like everybody yeah. that was parodied so much that it's now a bit of a joke but it was really powerful at the time and became a really intense symbol of uh of not just that movie, but that style of filmmaking, and it elevated just about everything that was involved with it. To be honest with you, I think I think it elevated it. It kind of rescued the horror movie a little bit at the time. What people don't remember, horror, horror was kind of in the in the buckets. We were in the doldrums of just sort of retreading slashers. Um, supernatural horror was was d- dead and buried. Right. You know, J horror was on the uh, was was starting to com, come come in and start to start to rekick certain things in the supernatural world. But the Blair Witch Project dropped and was a fucking atom bomb, man, and it was uh, – yeah. and it genuinely freaked a bunch of people out, all the people who didn't make actual – actually seasick. Um.
1: <laughs> did it – well, yeah, that was a common complaint at the time. It was just hard to watch in a weird way. But it was also mm-hmm. – did uh, did it signal the end of like Friday the 13th part 14 or whatever? That's like an interesting I do remember question. That I don't think it – I don't think it sank.
0: No, those, those, the, the eighties, the big eighties franchises had already died off by that point. Like they hadn't, they just hadn't been able to generate interest or, or, and that, and that genre hadn't like generated a new character that anybody was interested in. And that storytelling had started to eat its own tail, right? Like it just, when Mm -hmm. that started, it consumed its own tail and then somehow managed to eat its own head actually, (laughs) as far as I was concerned, um, so, at least it was a it was a it was a breath of fresh air in, in in multiple ways, not just in the cinematography, even if you know whatever you can't deal with the shaky cam um but in these you know you the improvisational style I think most people know or are aware that 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 script didn't have a script um, it was just note cards that were literally left out for the actors in the morning every day about beats that they had to hit um, There was a cinematographer on board who set up certain shots, but a lot of the shots were actually executed by the actors. Um, the unknowns, uh, the spareness of the woods. I think the location. This is what I really want to talk about. The thing, one of the things that elevates it, because I did end up seeing the new uh, Blair Witch sequel. Look, we all know there was also a Blair Witch two that nobody talks about, which happens to, to star a former, um, and not a former, a uh, uh, Erica Learson, who actually went to university with me at Boston U. Erica, I'm sure you're not oh. listening to this post. I'm sure you're not listening to this podcast, but. Uh, Congratulations on being in Blair Witch 2 and in the remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, those are the two things she's known for, so she still does the horror movie circuit thing. <laughs> so good on you, Erica. Um, but anyway, so that Book of Shadows, uh, Where Witch 2, Book of Shadows, We're gonna uh, which the, the newest newer sequel, which came out last year, which I think is just called Blair Witch instead of The Blair Witch Project, uh, is not a great movie. However, they are smart enough to keep one thing that I think is really if super effective from the original film. Um, which is a physical thing, I mean, besides the the filming style, which is the fucking house. The house at the end of that movie mm. is creepy as fuck. I love the design mm. of it. Um, this, the white completely, like, you know, it feels like that house has been out in the woods for, like, 10,000 years. The fucking creepy hit kids' handprints on the walls. It could be paint, could be blood. Um, mm. The banisters, the, it's so trashed, and it really honestly feels like an abandoned house you know for those of us that you know sort of like that kind of creepy shit you know We, yeah. um, if you've actually been in a weather-beaten abandoned location it really feels like that Um and it's just it's they they wisely dragged that fucking house back into this and it's interesting I wonder if they like if that house is actually a thing a place that's still standing or they just recreated it I don't know but big mm-hmm. shout out to the Blair Witch Project house um, uh and not a big shout out to the the new Blair Witch film Huge shout out to the original Blair Witch project. Um, sure, that's my thing. It's Halloween, people. I mean, Give it another shot, and it's been a decent amount of time that you since you've probably seen it. You can deal with it. Trust me, you can go back and check it out and, and yeah. appreciate it for what it is.
1: Because I mean, just to tag along, it, it created an aesthetic too, or is a little or yeah. a little ahead of its time in the aesthetic. But like now, yeah. YouTube, we watch that kind of video every every day. But that, that's but an excellent point. Remember, at the time, it was a big deal to have that incredible way too personal effect and that yeah. sold it a lot you know like uh, that, that that you know tearful snot running out of the nose thing might not have sold in a yeah. very well composed traditional movie setting but
0: that's an excellent point they
1: were tricking you into it was like they didn't even have smartphones but they it had yeah. that smartphone you're really there look
0: yeah that's that, an excellent point yeah to weird. me that's
1: that that was quite an elevating achievement yeah man and now it's kind of old hat Exactly. Yeah, oh yeah, no. It's funny because now
0: it's like theory. people really are sick of found footage movies. So that's yeah. what I got, Dom. What do you got this? What do you got this time?
1: Oh, you got this um, well, mine also hopefully segues into our subject matter and the horror a little bit. Um, I really like Star Trek Discovery, and again, shamefully, I'm not following the Expanse, uh, so which is you know uh, just stupid. I should I should be, but get on board, so I don't know where get. the state of Mm. Uh, science fiction episodics, you know, I don't know where the ah, cutting edge is right now. Sure. When I followed Battlestar, you know, I felt like I was like, "Oh, this is the premier science fiction series I right know." Anyway, but Star Trek Discovery, which I am watching, it does mess with all these things in a prime Star Trek universe that you'd think wouldn't be messed with, uh, mostly with the um, you know Spock's family history, and um, okay, we're sad that they. Spoiler alert, they killed both the Asian lady officers already.
0: Yeah. That but,
1: I mean, one is for impact. Two is like, oh, God, it's a little pattern. Because I, I was yeah, excited it was, to see it was miss, weird. Uh, that <laughs> that woman from Battlestar Galactic. And I thought that was going to be a cool character.
0: Yeah, she seemed like a cool character. And then she also acted really stupidly. Again, this is, this is something that I, I don't like in my science fiction when I'm... When someone is mostly identified by their title, and then they act completely mm. against their title, right? Like, <laughs> I'm a security officer, so now I'm going to do this really stupid thing. Like, I'm going to go fight the thing that's in uh, unkillable by myself. Like, fuck yeah. you. That what? Why would the character do that? Which I will get back to you, motherfuckers. If we are, if we do get to fucking, <clears throat> fucking uh, Prometheus, I will be fucking shitting all over Prometheus, mainly because it's a bunch of supposed scientists who act. Not a single moment like a scientist at all, by the way. None of them in that movie. But anyhow, sorry.
1: Yeah. And it it is, you know, egregiously violent. And also they they haven't really done that one Star Trek episode. I think this is what my theory is. I don't really know what the pulse of Star Trek fandom is on this. My theory is that they just have not done the one prototypical Star Trek episode where they just go to a planet and something weird is happening and they just spend the episode dealing yep. with that right they're more of yeah. these like continuing storylines they're supposed to go Which across episodes, better. so you binge them so they have just like oh here's a planet where you know uh, just people have waffles instead of heads or whatever um
0: <laughs> well the waffle head planet but, um i mean the thing again that always drives me crazy about star trek and i don't know they somehow find a way to piss me off every time with this is like i hate the spore technology like it makes no sense like i'm sorry like oh come te- on spores connect the universe like and the way they threw it off is so fucking casual i'm just like wait i'm just supposed to accept that fungus is going to like transport me across the universe in like in no time like i don't know i i i kind of hate that shit like then it's so star trek i don't know why That's just star trek loves to do that to me like they introduce <laughs> a technology that i'm like that's That's just fucking dumb and crazy. Uh, Whatever. I don't know. I'm just not into it. Um, I mean, I end up loving the sort of the troglot, not the troglodyte, the terabyte or whatever, the troglot, whatever, the creature that sort of connects the spores the, and eats the spores, but, like...
1: The Ripper, yeah.
0: The Ripper. I, I, I love that idea, but, like, oh, God, just the concept at, at its its core
1: makes me so... gets the spores. Your mind is open to so many things, Christopher. You've accepted Lovecraft and all these things and <laughs> the spores. <laughs> the spores! The, the yeah, like fung- yeah,
0: Because it's not... It's not
1: like fungus.
0: Uh, it's not science fiction. It's just, like, weird wish fulfillment of, like... And just, like, find... Like, ah, forget it. All right, I don't know. Maybe it's just because disagree. it's in a Star Trek. It could be it's just it's in a Star Trek story, and so it pisses me off extra. Well, I don't know. I,
1: disagree, I mean, I don't know if I disagree, but it, I think they I think they're lifting from Dune. Uh, remember in Dune, the method of space travel involves um, spice, the, right? This the, the spice. Don't remember and actually. The spice is. It's okay if we don't remember it, I, it, Help me. Yeah, it me they're sort of getting the the spore drive thing from dune which had okay. spice you know activated by these very slimy weird navigator creatures that were kept in Test tubes basically, they had an organic propulsion system did they? of okay, some I, kind. I don't, and I'm not even gonna go there about protoculture because that's <laughs> another one of those
0: organic. <laughs> look, they did.
1: But what's great, no, what see, look, okay, hold on,
0: wait. I want to go on record for this because this is important because it does, it drives me. It's cer- there's certain science fiction where you can get away with this, shit, which is like with protoculture and Robotech, they just say it's a flower. And that it works, right? They don't bother to like go into like super detail about how it works. So you just accept it, right? So, like, but when you do this bullshit where you've like, it's spores, and like we spend like three, there's three separate scenes where you're trying to convince me that it's like, an actual functional technology—that's where you lose me. I think sometimes I would much rather have them just be like, "Yeah, we're traveling by mushrooms and boom, and be done with it." And then I'm like, "Okay, all right, I'll just have to accept it." Because once you start to try to rationalize it, that's where I get start getting—I start getting tweaky.
1: Um, this is interesting. Okay, It's um, just
0: me though. Like again, it's just something. It's like, look, all right, I had this revelation when I was reading uh, the Orson Scott Card. Ender, extended Ender Ender's series, which was a mistake, it's by the way. Been the never extended, never game. Yeah, the extended stuff, the bean stuff, right? And I started to realize that what Orson Scott Card was getting away with, because I was starting to get into some hard sci-fi around that time as well, was just that. His technique was, no, there's this thing and, this, and it works, and that's it. And then he wouldn't go into the details, and you did. You just sort of ate it. Um, and he just focused on, he had a different type of storytelling. He would focus on the other things that Orson Scott Card focuses on. Whereas in the hard sci-fi, they would go into the super details and and really try to convince you about how and why it worked and functioned, you know, something like uh, Kim Stanley Robinson's books are like massively researched and like, you know, part of the fun is like getting into the geekery of how fucking algae could actually help terraforming, for example, or whatever. Um, but then there's the type of sci-fi where it's just like, hey motherfucker, um, there's a mushroom we're gonna go fucking follow <laughs> to fucking Mars. I'm like, all right, fine. If that's the f- if I gotta buy it, I gotta yeah. buy it. Um, I would much rather. More that fucking and-
1: Mushroom Drive. It's just you know, like <laughs> Mushroom Drive. Yeah, exactly. Lampshade the whole thing or uh, or whatever. <laughs> and again, an homage to other uh, sci-fi movies, which we're gonna talk about. And I like that in the second episode there was kind of that alien. That alien in the dark, that mm. being chased around by a scary creature, which which yes. is can tear you piece pieces. Mm. Much, I mean, they did they did have that kind of episode in the original Star Trek. If you remember the you know the maybe the red jack one or the one with the slimy monster in the tunnels. Sure. Um, but they uh, were definitely uh, you know shouting out to yeah um, the aliens' legacy when they find that <clears throat> incredibly. <laughs> Dangerous, formidable creature, and they're in—you know—and she's crawling around in the tunnel, thinking about Alice in Wonderland. And uh, <laughs> those—that gives me warm fuzzies.
0: That is nice, and and for once, we actually get a—we get a goddamn segue out of uh, what's elevating our genre into what we're talking about. That so was with,
1: the whole purpose of it.
0: Yes, because you're much better at this than I am. Um, and that's it, baby. Here we go. We're jumping from Star Trek. Over
1: into uh, the Alien universe. For clarification, the Alien the movie trademark. <laughs> it's not just all aliens. Yes, of course. Yes, <laughs> Alien the movie
0: trademark. Not all aliens. Yes, no, uh, by no means. Um, it's hard to express how much I adore uh, at least the first two movies, and I'm actually a, a fan of three and four. Not as not as many people. Not many people are. I again, I would mm. never argue that Alien three or Alien um, Resurrection. Are anywhere near as influential or as even probably even as good of a movie as the first two films are, um, but I still enjoy the living piss out of them for a variety of reasons. Um, even though they suffer from what I would consider probably a lot of sequel retreading, which is not something I like. I actually like my series uh, of movies to actually grow and go and go, grow and go in different places because I am a Rush fan. I know people. Hold on. I'll make that make sense in a second. <laughs> Rush is a band folks um and they are a band that lasted forty forty plus years and what and they insisted on growth in every album, so that each album uh or at least you know they had they had you know periods of time and then they would change their sound and i always I loved following that, so i, I that tended to influence my take on like if something's gonna last a really long time, I like it when they take more chances and they and things change up. Even if it doesn't end up working all the time. So, um, my word, that was the thunderous uh, <laughs> door in my apartment. Um, anyway, um, sorry about that. <laughs> not Be- <clears throat> a scary
1: alien, but not a scary alien, just a scary. Alien, just a scary. The- <laughs>
0: yes. Um, so, anyway, so even though there's a lot, an insane amount of retreading in the Alien franchise, um, uh, I still adore them quite a bit. Uh, and mm. as um, just as you just mentioned, man, like. Alien is just just like Blade Runner, just like Star Wars, just like Star Trek. They, there are certain things that are established, particularly in that first movie, that are so iconic that uh, become, that, that bleed, again, the, like the Blair Witch Project we just talked about. Literally bleed. Literally bleed into, yes, right, with some acid blood into every science fiction, every science, certainly every science horror movie that, 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 that follows. Um, and, again, much like Star Wars, I'm not going to. Going into any kind of backstory, at Alien. I think we just jump right in. And for me, the f- starting place for Alien mm-hmm. is you have to start with H.R. Giger, um, which is maybe something that maybe not everybody needs. Maybe not everybody knows H.R. Giger technically was "quote unquote" just the uh, production, you know, uh, um, a production artist on the film. But look, that movie would be Alien. I really, honestly, don't know if. If, look, Ridley Scott is at the beginning of his career. Um, he's an exacting filmmaker at the time, and he was out to prove a lot. So maybe even without that design element that Giger brings, which – and for people that don't know, designs the alien – Designs the face huggers. Designs the uh, sorry doesn't design the face huggers. Designs the eggs that the face huggers come from, which is funny because the eggs are actually slightly more famous than the face huggers, or at least are more repeated than the face huggers. Um, Someone
1: else designed the face huggers?
0: <laughs> apparently, he's not on. He right. did, out of my research, said he didn't design the face huggers, uh, but maybe he did. I don't know. Um, uh, the eggs, uh, the the horseshoe ship, the planet surface. Uh, Everything the 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 fucking uh, I'm gonna forget his name the 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 creature that is grown into the chair or is possibly always was part of the chair in the in the horseshoe ship.
1: Oh um, yeah,
0: um, that's him yeah. as well. Uh, he built the alien suit with a uh, with an animatronics guy who built the mouth, so he doesn't have credit for actually constructing the mouth, but still. Mouth was a,
1: or the mouth? The mouths.
0: <laughs> Sorry, plural. That like yeah, we should pluralize that for shizzle. For shizzle. Um, but uh, oh god, we. I just don't think that movie is anything without any – with those elements. I mean, look, the cast is fantastic and Ridley Scott's direction is great. Mm. But, like, do you think Alien could possibly be Alien without those elements?
1: I mean, yes, I think the acting and the filmmaking is great. But somehow I have this suspicion that it all was energized by, like, oh, shit, that's the Alien? (laughs) That fucking thing is what we're up against with? I can really (laughs) – the design, you know – I mean,
0: and let's be honest, is... is,
1: is, I'm sorry, go ahead. ...is leading that movie. Yeah. Is is driving it ahead.
0: That's a really good point. That's a really good phrase. The design is leading that movie. And let's be honest, that image is so... It's so fucking alien, right? I mean, it's so just like... (laughs) Do not pass go. Do not collect 200 nightmare bucks. You go straight to fucking hell, right? Like, you are just fucking trapped in hell with that creature in your dreams.
1: It utilizes also the alien's life cycle and something Mm. about the nature of the alien itself to really crystallize the horror of it they are really alien in the sense that they're not compatible with humans they're ah, they yeah. the, you know to, to contrast with our you know earlier sci-fi shows. well i mean and, and the fact
0: that they use humans as hosts right like the the, the i mean and i oh, yeah, actually yeah. shit i never even realized <laughs> this fucking alien is body horror right like i didn't even realize that it's a nice oh yeah I mean, for those that don't realize, maybe you've never heard this before. That you know, it shouldn't be a surprise to many people. The first movie is is a, a has been frequently described as a haunted house in space, right? So you've got the haunted house and, and and space and science fiction and horror. But man, I just now realized, yeah, it's a body horror film, right? Like a lot of the horror oh, comes from. So. The, the alien is going to either impregnate you and fucking kill you by impregnating you, or he's going to tear you the fuck apart. Of course, so there's there's there's, yeah. there's sort of an aspect, but I did I never realized that. Yeah, it's like it's. This, I've it's, always
1: thought it was a lot about the dark side of the maternal cycle. I mean, it just oh, of presents. course, it's, yeah, for yeah. sure, um, and yeah, it, it is inside you.
0: The Dark Side of the Maternal Cycle, the fucking head is, you know, look, it's so obviously a phallus, and if you follow H.R. Gear's work, he's perfectly happy to, like, say that. It's not a, it's not a mistake, people. It, that thing has a giant fucking metal plastic dick for a head with a fucking tinier, evil, or t- toothy, tiny dick inside of it, um... And it See wants... that's the
1: thing I never noticed. Maybe that's my own body horror. I just. Oh yeah. I... Now, now of course it seems evident.
0: Yeah, so now it
1: seems evident. <laughs> it, it was, for was... sure. What's that weird shape? Hmm.
0: It's, a, it's a bendy. It's a bendy metallic penis. And if you look at Giger's work, uh, it—that's what it is. It's this biomechanical, super psychosexual, everything sexualized. Um, pretty much in a in a fairly horrific and now that I get now that I'm putting it together sort of body horror way it's um and but and in a way that only the only other filmmaker I well I mean not HR gear isn't a filmmaker technically but it, that is interested in that as much uh of course is David Cronenberg I don't know if you, I know you're not that huge of a <laughs> horror fan but David Cronenberg is abs for a while there is absolutely obsessed with the merging of technology and human um in some pretty amazingly horrific ways um so just i don't want people Gridley uh, scott gets so much credit um and i even listened to my favorite podcast recently uh, 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 uh and they had not they threw down an alien podcast in, in the recent memory and not one of the motherfuckers brought up geeger's name and i just i just think that's a tragedy i think it's uh I, I just don't think you oh. get that fucking movie without it. So and if you and if you were continuing interested in his work, you can start with just a little thing, since we mentioned Lovecraft earlier, a little thing here called the Necronomicon, um his own Necronomicon. Um and in fact, if you're interested in that, to be very specific, Necronomicon four, the plate Necronomicon four is basically where the alien comes from, where he sort of was the beginning designs of his stuff, um uh that he then throws uh that he then uses um so in he was film.
1: drawing Lovecraft beasties? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar
0: with this. It. He's it's not. It's it's technically not he's he read Lovecraft and was interested in Lovecraft a lot. Um uh, I mm. think he was more interested in just sort of like the cold remove of mm. these gods, you know what I mean? Um and was playing with that idea in his own artwork when he started when he started working things out. Um and so yeah, his first I think it's his first, I think it's actually his first published art book is called the Necronomicon. So um yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway so the th- the other thing I want to establish that, that that I think which is really interesting about this movie is that it, where Star Wars establishes like a used future feel and you can say this is used future as well right because it's you know the ship looks it isn't super shiny it certainly isn't shiny in any way it's like it's in fact it's it's oppressively dark and possibly needlessly dark in places but um, mm-hmm. what we really get is a blue collar future right which I think sure. is really cool um because now you take Star Wars because very quickly Luke goes from like this low what I would assume is sort of low class moisture farmer on a desert and very quickly he's interacting with like royalty and fucking Jedi, which are clearly the knights of that universe and like politicians and, and decision makers and all of these things. Like, you know, pretty much after twenty minutes it's it's over, right? He's in that upper echelon of, of whatever's uh, going yeah. on. Alien, you do not get that shit. These are fucking blue-collar miners who are ill-equipped to deal with what the fuck is about to happen to them, right? Um, which I think is just a, a lovely piece of genius.
1: Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, maybe upsettingly the closest to our own culture just expanded you know it's not very idyllic not even very (laughs) really exploratory they're just people doing their job job. or corporation which is just bigger than the corporation that we have now right it's it's great to round out all our science fiction tropes by saying well maybe in the future just you know you'll have a fucking (laughs) job yeah google is bigger and they happen to have these big ships but they, they send people out to you know to do hard work in dangerous places as whoever I'm paraphrasing
0: ah yes right the, and uh, and I mean uh, even and this and this continues through throughout the franchise throughout the franchise the second movie, these marines, although they appear to be capable, are just. They're just doing their job, man. They're just going to go yeah. do their job, right? And in fact, they, you know, very free. You know, they call it a bug hunt. They like this is what they do. They chase down these weird phantom stories, and half the time, they, and and not even half the time. Apparently, like ninety nine percent of the time, there's nothing there, right? So it's just these, this group of marines doing their job. You get to the third one, and it's a bunch of prisoners trying to just basically sort of survive prison, um, which is kind of great. Yeah. Um, then you get to the fourth one, and you again you're back to like people who are just cargo shippers they're just moving yeah. shit around space there's a little bit more of a sinister subplot going on but uh and you get you know again the Whalen utoni mythology again probably again much like sort of what i said last last time about star wars like some of that stuff should have maybe stayed in the background we don't need every single thing filled in maybe i didn't need mm, the wylin utoni sure. corporation like coming so far in the foreground in alien resurrection but still it's uh it's just people doing their jobs, uh, which yeah. is cool. Which is also why fucking Prometheus should have been cool because it should have been a bunch of scientists doing their fucking jobs. But they, they, none of them act like scientists, so whatever. I'm not gonna get okay. into that. I promise. Mm-hmm. I won't go and get deeply in, deeper into that, though.
1: But it ends up that space trucker uh, motif mm. ends up being mm-hmm. it, It's it's very empathetic, as you were saying. Like it, you know, it in the future, it's not a world of captains. And kings and chosen messiahs you Thank know, necessarily. God, yes. it could just be you know people doing a variants of their current lives but they're encountering the total unknown and right. there's no almost no mythology about it it's just like that in, in deep space you just might run into this thing and no one can hear you scream that also works towards the whore right and also I don't have any better technology either do they not <laughs> I mean, really they i mean like re- they invented replicants whatever okay they have replicants yeah. too i mean so but yes they don't have some overwhelming cool new innovation which enables them to handle these these threats they have the same guns so i've never been clear how their stations work aren't they just like they're in sleeper and they take a really long time to get there
0: to get somewhere you i mean it looks like the nostromo to me which is the name of the ship in the first movie it's a giant mining ship it looks like that thing probably just sits down on a planet. They probably landed on a planet somewhere. It automatically yeah. just mines the shit out of stuff. These people <laughs> are here to just make sure the robots, the, the mining shit basically just works and functions. And then they fly it back home and that's it. And they go yeah. back to sleep. It's a, It sounds like a it's a boring. I mean what's great is – that's the other thing about the atmosphere of this movie is like these are bored – Fucking blue collar workers who are excited to finally go home to be done with their shitty job. It's like, it's like, look, it's like you're going home on a Friday night from your crappy job and you get jumped by an alien, right? And and, and for payday, right? Like you're going home fucking to collect your pay and uh, a fucking alien comes and wants to just fucking murder your ass. There's um, none of
1: this romantic gazing out at the stars. Oh, my gosh. None of it. Planet. Let's go find out. No, let's find out nothing about this planet. Right. Which is what's – yeah, what let's find out nothing creepy, about this planet. Let's just go the fuck home, please. get this creaky fucking ship back to dock before it falls apart on
0: us. <laughs> falls apart on us and we get slightly paid for our shitty work and we'll probably all go do it again. I mean right. it's so great that way and it's so sure. – um, Again, it's just so grounded – uh, and then because it's so grounded, then they run into all the Giger design stuff. And let's and, talk about those eggs, man. Wait, what, are you talking
1: about the eggs with a flower? With the
0: flowering top, yes. I mean, they, yeah. they happen okay. all the time. They're just everywhere, um, which is hysterical to me because it's such a – because you'd think I, – I think this sort of falls into the same category as what we were talking about, like Darth Vader last time. Like Darth Vader is kind of sacrosanct. Like it's so iconic and powerful. Like you just can't rep- – you can't recreate it unless you're an asshole. You know what I mean. The design of the alien is like we didn't get any like penis-headed aliens <laughs> in other movies, except for you know you know bad rip-offs. Bro- of broke the and... mold. Of yeah, <laughs> that
1: weird penis-shaped mold, as it were. That's the... I, I I just I just like saying the word penis. I'm sorry. Right, it's okay. <laughs> it's it's nice to
0: say penis and mold in the same in the same sentence. Yes. Uh, it's good. Um, actually, I do have a I have a question for you because. I'm happy to. I know exactly the moment that this creature showed up in my life, right? And it wasn't mm-hmm. the movie, so I'm curious. How, what was your first encounter with
1: the alien? I think someone just told me what happened, and that was <laughs> so fucking yeah disturbing. I didn't even want to see that movie. I mean, it was so yeah. it was some 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 kid's favorite movie, and they're just like, oh yeah, and this right. thing grabs on your face and jacks a little egg in your stomach and then it bursts out and the guy's dead and it's so awesome. It's like, I don't want to see that at all. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds terrible.
0: Totally. I was living uh, in I was a young, young man living in Tennessee uh, when this movie came out and like entered the popular consciousness and I had straight up like older, regneck friends who were boys. So I had an older kid, exactly the same thing. Not only tell me about the chest buster scene, Right, which was, like, just making me sweat just listening to him. Then he brings out, like, a six-inch, like, alien toy in a box he actually, that he had just gotten as, like, I don't know, a birthday present <laughs> or something. And I just remember being like, that's not a toy. That's, that's a fucking nightmare. What are you doing? Put that thing away. Like you don't like the st- toys are like Star Wars. To- actually, you know maybe it a you know Darth Vader's a little scary. He's got a weird mask, but that's not a toy. And it was like it was like a big one too. Like it was like like I yeah, said, yeah. it wasn't like a foot. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering mis- mis- because I was a child and I was so fucking terrified of that thing.
1: you sure it wasn't just a dick in the box? It might have been I just, a dick in the box. I just, it might it have been a dick in the box, yeah.
0: and I just sort of imagined it. But no, I, you <laughs> know actually, I know for a fact it was the alien because it was a full articulated alien. Because that thing burned its way into my brain. Like, it was just, it was so different than, and I I certainly hadn't seen any horror movies up to this point. There was a station on Saturday afternoons that was obsessed with playing uh, hammer horror movies. Die, monster, die. Um, But whatever. Um, uh, I hadn't even experienced that shit yet. Like, I experienced nothing. And just this. Again, this plastic black shiny—what I didn't know at the time, didn't not really relate—penis-headed, like just clawed creature um, was was utterly terrifying. And mm-hmm. and again, I'm I'm a little upset that by the time I actually finally saw Alien, uh, I just knew all the beats. You know, I knew. You mm-hmm. know, I if mm-hmm. there's possibly if there's any movie I could teleport back in time. Time travel back in time and see like opening night with, with, with my memory erased. It might be alien. Like, honestly, yeah. like this to be in an audience that doesn't know about that chest hugger scene. That I mean, first of all, doesn't know what the fuck those eggs are, has yeah. never seen a face hugger, doesn't know about the chest buster scene, like, and, and doesn't know about the ending of the movie about how, you know, what the how Ripley's actually going to accomplish her goal of surviving. Yeah, that would, that would probably be it for me. Like, I don't know, but that, that might be it. Yeah. So,
1: no, that's a great thought. Like, I can't even imagine not like knowing. Not that. knowing. You're yeah. exactly
0: right. Can you imagine not knowing <laughs> not what being the fuck was it. coming in Alien? Yeah. Like,
1: but the fact that it's still good, nevertheless. We, I mean. We, and that's what's amazing, we, right? Like, yeah. we
0: all knew what was coming. We all know what's coming. And that movie still casts a complete spell over you, it still holds your attention in such a beautiful way. It's still so artistically—it's so artistically well done, and this is where I want to talk about. I mean, obviously, we can talk about Ridley Scott all you want, but like mm. I, the actors grounded in such a Yafik Koto, Harry Dean Stanton, uh, fucking rest in cr- peace, r- rest in peace. You know uh, Sigourney Weaver. Uh, that's not Chris Christopherson; it's uh, Tom Skerritt, um, uh, <laughs> Kathy. Uh, uh, oh shit, uh, Kathy totally
1: looks like Chris Christopherson.
0: Um, totally does a little bit, uh, young Chris Christopherson. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, the woman. Um and yeah, Anyway, the, the the whole fuck. I can't believe I can't remember her name, Kathy. No,
1: I. I, I can't Something. Whatever. It does seem like a name I knew at one point. But, no, it's definitely uh, a name
0: I know. Ah, fuck me. I apologize, people. It's, it's um, not Sigourney, it, so it's sort of It's like not Sigourney, which up, is easy. Which is hard. Which, anyway, um, just that cast. Grounds it in. Su- uh, John Hurt. I mean, come on, fucking John Hurt, killing it in this. Um uh, <coughs> And Ian Holm. Yeah, right. Um Which is actually okay. Speaking of segues, we can segue a little bit because. Alien, the first movie, uh, is on a sneaky down low on something that we've been talking about all month, which is, like, it's part of the uh, robots are coming to get us trope, right? Um, Because, I mean, Mm. fuck you. Definitely fuck you spoilers for Alien. Look, you know, Ash is—I mean, he's not technically coming to get you, but he certainly is holding—he certainly doesn't have the crew's best interest in heart, right? He's programmed not to have the crew's best interest in heart. And then at one point, he's clearly programmed to murder the crew— if they're getting in the way of what he's trying to accomplish. So the fact that that, what's nice about that is a, it's, it's a surprise. It's a reveal that I think works beautifully because Ian Holmes sort of like, again, on rewatchings, you can watch Ian Holmes subtly telegraph certain things, but he hides that so fucking well. And then when he flips and he becomes scary, he becomes really fucking scary. Um, and has one of the most, Fucked up attempted murders that's ever been recorded on film. I think the fact that he tries oh, yeah. to kill Sigourney Weaver with a rolled up probably porn magazine
1: because uh, they're whiff. in
0: when that scene happens. I think they're in um, uh, Koto or Harry Dean Stanton's like workshop, which has already got like girly posters on the wall. The fact uh, that he rolls that thing up and then it's just the most fucked up way to try to kill somebody, and he yeah. tries to shove it down Sigourney Weaver's mouth. Okay, granted, you could say it's a bit of a heavy-handed imagery. There is a lot of sort of psychosexual imagery in the alien itself and Ian Holmes is on the side of the alien of course and, and maybe that's an extension of that and it's too heavy handed but it's so fucking disturbing it's, to me um,
1: and it, it's so it well acted. It's very disturbing.
0: It's so well acted. The threat on Sigourney Weaver's face, the way she's acting and more importantly when they cut away to the close up of Ian Holmes' face when he's like fending off her arms and shit. It's it's just super disturbing. It's one of the most, uh, still it's one of the most disturbing images on film, I think. Uh, and it's just, it's just in my, I'm talking about it and I'm just seeing the whole thing all the way up to where Yafit Kota comes in with a fucking fire extinguisher and knocks his fucking block off, which is also awesome. Um,
1: and it's weird, right? Because in any other movie that would have been the indelibly horrible thing.
0: Right. It's
1: It's just one among many. along with this other indelibly horrible thing. Um, uh, that was my only addition to that.
0: I also would be interested to know if this is the first use of, like, the white milky substance that runs the android moment, right? And the fucking—and <laughs> just even that, the fact that that <laughs> Ash becomes—in one moment becomes—goes from a human being to this complete other thing that mm-hmm. not only does his head rip off, he's got—and not only is his blood this milky substancy, again, you could say sperm, whatever— but he's got this ganglia shit that comes out of his neck that's like bulbous and plastic, and I love the scene where they're trying to reconnect him to the computer and like his head won't mm-hmm. stay down. And then of course mm-hmm. there's the, the there's the intense edit to where all of a sudden it was a, it's a puppet and now it's Ian Holmes' head through a table. But oh right. the fact that when Ian Holmes' head through a table, even Holmes' head through a table, when he wakes up and he just leaks that fucking milky shit out of his mouth and he's covered in it. And he's looking up at them, and he's and he finally lets himself be smug for the first time. I mean, yeah. that is an inspired, elevating acting choice, right there. Uh, right, like oh, so, yeah, you are finally the evil guy, but he holds it back until that moment to like pull the like smug asshole moment. Right, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't even. He doesn't. He doesn't laugh at them or anything else. But he just. He's so sarcastic and understands how little they're so they're not gonna survive this, right? Like he he gets it and he allows as an actor, he finally allows his character that moment of sort of like weird egoistic pride. Even Mm. though he's a fucking head on a table.
1: Right, right. He's been (laughs) smashed He's been
0: defeated, but he's he knows he still knows he's basically he's 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 they're not gonna win at least. He's not gonna he's not gonna win. He's not gonna necessarily get what he wants, but they're certainly not gonna win either. Um, and it's just such an inspired acting choice at that at that moment, and again, an inspired design choice to for yeah. the milky substance and the weird shit coming out of his neck. And he's such an other at that moment. And then this will—I think this is a nice segue from the robots are coming to get us, the alienness of Ash, to flipping that trope on its head in Aliens. Right? Again, spoilers for Aliens. Fuck you, spoilers for Aliens. If you don't know, look, I almost said Lawrence Fishburne. Um, La- La- Lance Hendrickson. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Lance Hendrickson is—you know—is. Telegraphed at the beginning to be another Ash. Um, maybe he's hiding that he is another Ash, but he turns out to be a good Wobot. Um
1: uh, <laughs> but then gets he also that- has that distant otherworldly quality for perfect casting.
0: Perfect casting and perfect acting, brilliant acting choices that he's making throughout the whole thing. So especially at the beginning, so you're not sure if he's mm-hmm. if he really is hiding something like Ash is hiding something, um, I think and then he gets that iconic you know it's not a death moment um he gets that iconic moment where he gets fucking speared again spewing the white liquid and then fucking Mm -hmm. gets ripped in half and that that effect is so good um it's it still holds up today you can I mean there's an edit there's a hard edit in it and you can see it but I don't care like it just it just is so effective at that point um emotionally and uh uh and story wise it's just a super effective beat um And this is also where I get to confess, I certainly saw Aliens before I saw Alien, right? Because I I think someone presented Aliens as like, look, I know you don't like really horror movies that much because when I was a kid, I I wasn't – this is really an action movie. And I was like, "Mm, okay, I guess I'm ready for this because I'd already – you'd heard about Alien over and over and over again and – you know, the first time I saw Aliens, my heart was racing a little bit in terms of the horror. But no, I really got into the characters and, and, and basically the action movie vibe of it.
1: Just for disclosure, I was going to mention that I have only seen the two recent uh, Alien movies in the sort of modern millennial way in that I haven't really – they were just on. <laughs> you know, they, were, they were on some screen. And so yeah. I like, am sort of aware that they happened and I experienced a bit of them. But you know I didn't <laughs> I didn't experience them as a whole film. So I so You're talking about Prometheus and Covenant now? Yeah, so so okay. I'm just saying I still like, seen that's why I don't have anything intelligent to say uh, about them. Uh, and we're not a, even mentioning that retread. thing that rhymes with editor.
0: Yes, no, because, the a, the AVP universe thing is just, I mean again what a what a what a wasted opportunity. Uh, again, just put in the hands of a not a very good filmmaker, uh, and just it just did not work. Although one of my favorite lines in all of cinema comes mm-hmm. from the first Aliens vs. Predator movie. Okay, I have to say this just because I have to get it on record. So one of my favorite lines in all of cinema from Aliens vs. Predator, Lance Hendrickson playing some version of Wayland Utony or whatever, one of the guys that's supposedly running that corporation back in the... Because mm. it was supposed to take place in the modern day, right? They have discovered... What is clearly an upside down pyramid, right? Um, no, no, not an upside down. A buried pyramid, excuse me. A buried pyramid. Uh, yeah. Right. They've discovered a buried pyramid. Lance Henderson gathers his science, his scientific team together, and he's literally speaking to them on a gantry, right? Like on a fucking walkway above, like, and they're below him, like troops or whatever, and they're looking up at, at Lance Henderson, Waylon Newtoni, and behind him is a giant projection of. For some reason, like, the shittiest, like, attempt to sort of, like, tell you that it's it, – like, it's a drawing, right? It's clearly a drawing of what they've supposedly discovered, which is this pyramid that's buried. And it's a pyramid shape with, like, a line that goes through just, you know, just south of the tip of the pyramid, right? To sort of illustrate that the tip of the pyramid's above the grounds and the rest of the pyramid is below the ground. It's the shittiest graphic. It looks like it's drawn by, like – a I could draw it and I, and I can't draw But anyway, Lance Anderson gives this whole speech about blah, blah, blah. And then right in the middle, it's like, we've made the discovery of the century. That's not the line I'm talking about. Here's the actual line. Standing in front of a giant child's drawing of a pyramid, he says to his science team, my experts tell me it's a pyramid. (laughs) But he's literally say that yes yes he's literally standing in front of like again like a pyramid shape and i guess we were supposed to be confused because there's a line across the top my experts tell me
1: it's a pyramid like it might be something other than a pyramid exactly like it
0: was that was the minute in the movie where i almost like like i almost like passed out from my anger right like i was just like okay well if this movie is this dumb we're all in trouble, and which is exactly yeah. what ended up happening with that film. We were all in trouble.
1: Um Sigourney Weaver herself weeps at that at that line. I'm sure oh my Not God. that she's even aware of this.
0: It's <laughs> absolutely one of my favorite lines in all the cinema. My, my experts tell me it's a pyramid. If there's lesson one in filmmaking, ladies and
1: gentlemen, don't stick Lance
0: Anderson in front of a drawing of a pyramid and then have to have a line where he tries to convince you that it's a pyramid. Like I just don't fucking get it. Anyway, uh, I have to – hopefully I can find that scene um, uh, and I didn't – and maybe I, maybe this is a Kirkwood moment. Hopefully I didn't make that up. Uh, I, I seriously don't think I did because I've been quoting – if I have, I've literally been quoting it for like 30 years. Anytime anyone says anything <laughs> stupid in my head that's like really demonstrably dumb and obvious, that's the first thing that comes into my mind literally. It's just my experts tell me it's a pyramid and I sort of mutter it to myself. Okay, so I – Everybody, when we're always talking about this, they always give short shrift to Alien 3 and, and, and Alien Resurrection. And we obviously are going to as well. But we'll still at least – I just want to talk about them a little bit. So okay, what is your experience with those two movies? I'm just curious.
1: Well, my impression of them – and I didn't like them a whole lot. I, mm-hmm. I thought they were, uh, you know, of the time sort of recruiting – the hot directors to, <laughs> I know, basically to just take a spin in this, you know, mm. in this vehicle that we've set up with Monsters. You know, you got David Fincher, big yeah. music video director at the time, visual yeah. stylist, those French guys who I like very much. can't remember their names. Uh, uh, was Jean-Pierre Genet. And it actually wasn't, what
0: yeah, yeah. they weren't a duo at the time. He was just, they just hired Genet um, oh, to really? do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, It was just him.
1: Um, But, i i i felt like they were just trying out their styles on mm. in this universe and to me i guess they, for that it felt a little less uh it it mm. didn't draw me in as much as alien aliens i felt like just a disconnect i felt like that's oh that's that's your flavor of right alien face hunger which may be just a roundabout way of saying i don't know if they did anything new um
0: well, that's interesting because at least for me, again, with those, I think that's an excellent point. It is each, each, that's what's crazy about this movie, right? Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David Finchner, Jean-Pierre Genet. Um, if I'm pronouncing that right, fuck now. I think I'm, now I'm worried I'm, I'm, I've got the wrong. I know. I know I, hopefully I'm, hopefully I'm not wrong about that. Um, apologies if I am. Um, they each do have an that's incredible. That's
1: why I call f- any French filmmaker the French guy. That's, is the French guy. All right. Yes. short French guy, asshole. The fucking French be. guy.
0: Um, uh, I, the gentleman that directed *Delicatessen*. Okay, people, are, I know who I'm that, talking about. Um uh, friends, gentleman, guy. Yes. Uh, anyway, so each one has such a directorial point of view, possibly to the detriment of, possibly to the detriment of of this of the franchise, because there's nothing. Maybe you'd say there's not there's no through line except for the alien itself. But again, for me, that's what's exciting about it, right? Like, there's so mm-hmm. many. Franchises that just feel sort of carbon copy stamped out by mm. the, the director is a hired gun and they just have to do execute these beats except usually in a higher, more kinetic way. What's really fun about those four movies is like exactly what you said. They each have a very different vibe, right? Like whether you're doing Ridley Scott's sort of slow-paced, beautifully framed work, James Cameron's blue-tinged action sequences – David Finchner's hyperkinetic editing, you know, which is new at the time, um, and, you know, and sort of very, even though everything's pretty black and gray, there's still something very lush about his style, and then you get to the fucking Alien Resurrection, and it's, it's, you know, whatever. I guess the style for me would be just, just crazy pants, which I love. Um, yeah. Um,
1: and a lot of body horror in that one. A lot of body people, horror. People like, it. like that part, and I, I <clears throat> recoiled from that part. But okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it, and and again, I just thought it was so. All right, so let's let's take them in order. Let's take Alien Three, which again gets gets a lot shit on a lot. Um, and I used to have an opinion about the director's cut, and I can't remember anymore because I own I used to own the Alien Quadrology box set, and I watched I watched both of those both versions of that movie. I mean, I remember the theatrical look. Alien Three was the first Alien movie I saw in the theater, and like most people, I was fairly disappointed, right? Um, and especially when. Alien 3 might be also one of the first movies that I tracked in the press, right? When they announced it, it was Aliens Come to Earth, right? And I was like, finally, we're going to get, like, j- aliens mm. on, cra- on speed, right? Like, mm. I wanted fields of aliens taking over cities, right? That's what I wanted to see. And then right. eventually the, then the rumors were like, no, it's a prison planet, and they had to pay Sigourney Weaver a million dollars to shave her head, and I was like, ugh, this is starting to sound weird. Oh, and it's a music video director, so like I definitely – I think like a lot of us, we went in with kind of a stink with our nose kind of in the air already, yeah. um, not ready to like the movie. And I certainly – I think I remember leaving not necessarily liking it too much, but I had to re- – I revisited it just out of sort of uh, – I don't know, a comp- sense of completionism. You know you know me. I'm a bit of a completionist. <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm going to watch the first two movies, i got to throw the third one on. Um, and I just – I just grew to like it, and man, and hey, fucking shout out to some Doctor Who. Paul McGann, the Eighth Doctor, is, is in there um, doing a good job as um, the Doctor. Surprise, surprise. Um, uh, and just, I dug the vibe of it, man. Just like Aliens. Eventually, the 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 cast of prisoners kind of grew on me. I mean, we don't get to know them, and it's not quite as snappy writing as as the as the Marines, but like those prisoners, Charles S. Dance as the sort of preacher guy, uh, you know, again, like I said, Paul McGann, and then and sort of, you know, the horde of faceless, um, sort of, of hairless British men. Um, just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I dig it. I like, I just, I just like the idea. And um, the actors are just super committed. And, and Sigourney Weaver brings such a world weary moment to it. And for those that sort of hate the Jesus imagery at the end of her sort of jumping backwards into the molten, whatever the fuck that is. I was, I eventually became to be totally into that image of her just holding on to the fucking thing, busting out of her chest and her, and her taking it down with her. I just kind of loved it. Oh, I grew to yeah. love it.
1: Yeah. Cause I, cause I think, she, I think Sigourney Weaver gets to have a Jesus moment. I did. Yeah, just, man. You know, if there's anybody who she was selling that whole show with her professionalism and commitment to the, to to the story. And I, you know, it, Jesus, moments, smarter moments do bother me in, in some things, but... It, yes, I, a lot of things. Absolutely. She earned it.
0: And even though the sort of the underwater alien sequence smacks of like, smacks of like, okay, this is a sequel. We got to do something different. Th- th- <clears throat> first of all, the CGI on that is not that bad. A lot, people, a lot of people are shitting on it lately, but I'm like, if you contextualize this, it's not bad. And w- I just remember it, that was the one thing in the movie that really freaked me out when I saw it in the theaters. Mm. I was like, they were underwater, and then the fucking aliens being able to swim like dolphins, just like immediately, <laughs> made them even more scary to me. For some oh, reason, no. like I was, yeah like, totally. yeah, like I can't escape these things. Fuck. Yeah, they swim yeah, sh- and like they're swim really too. well.
1: Yeah, that was uh, terrifying. Who knew? <laughs> um, uh, just to pick up on something you said, as far as science fiction tropes, again, this was well, not a trilogy. That was part of the disconnect of Alien 3. We were very set up from Star Wars. Yeah. We're beginning to be set up for this idea of trilogies, and it's going to resolve um, in an either bigger bang way. I, I don't think David Fincher is like that kind of deep structure storyteller that he could make that ramping up of that you know that movie mm. we thought was going to happen right. the Aliens Evading Earth. So, you, you, James Cameron is. He has this yes, idea right. of like building and like creating this uh, right. this whole arc. Um, so I guess that's where what led me to the hard gun feeling, and just like but that of course, sure. that was my own preconception maybe it's maybe it's more an episodic aliens maybe it's meant to be I don't know
0: let's move over to resurrection, so you said the body horror and resurrection it just it what's nice is and and you hate I hate to say it feels European, but at least it does feel like oh, it does. At least it does feel like it's again. It's, it's another director with another point of view that is different than the first three, um, which I just really liked. And you know, for those that don't know, it's a it's an early it's a it's an early Joss Whedon f- feature film script that he did a lot of work on. Um, I think he might even be the sole credit. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. as we all know, that that movie was went through massive iterations. Again, there's some super strong acting in it. Um, I was also I must admit when I saw this I was super in love with Ron Perlman so i was i was just stoked that he was in another movie uh and i just i love his fucking brutish fucking ape motherfucker he plays in that movie um and the uh yeah. the french uh the french the small french guy uh dominic uh prison yes. i think uh oh no sorry oh, sorry dom sorry dom his name is dominic um i can't remember his last name um, gleason is
1: that his last name no no know.
0: no that's a I'm different that's a different dominic. one that's a different dominic that's different um, dom- different so dominic um uh anyway uh he's great i think he's great in it uh, michael wincott as usual is only is only in a movie for five minutes uh but his five minutes are very fun um and fucking dan hedaya fucking love dan hedaya uh playing the sort of greaseball um space station owner guy um it just
1: and when owner uh, writer when Rider fucking pisses long.
0: me off because i'm on record as not being one Rider writer fan i thought she was terrible um but again, at least they turn the android trope on its head yet again. Not only is she not coming to get us, not only is she not helpful, she's actually leading like a political revolution. So she's like a lefty robot, which is interesting. Um, she's trying, or at least she's part of a big weird political revolution trying to take down the corporation, trying to take down Wayland Utoni, which is interesting. And just when Sigourney Weaver... Sigourney Weaver gets a couple of moments in Aliens Resurrection that are absolutely golden right the moment when she first appears on the basketball court and she is a part predator she now lets herself mm-hmm. be part of a pred- predator and the fact mm-hmm. that she's playing against ron perlman and she ho- and in that scene i believe sigourney weaver could take out ron perlman in like a heartbeat mm-hmm. there's some and that is not easy to do especially when ron perlman's playing fucking eight-man version ron perlman right like she pulls that off in that scene <laughs> but then the scene where she finds all the weird genetic mutation versions, previous versions of herself. And what happens on her face in that moment? Like, not only about what's happening in the moment, but she now remembers just going all the way back to Ripley and what Ripley's all been through, and then she flamethrowers that thats I cry every time I see that scene, and I've seen that scene a million times. And then, of course, Joss Whedon does his thing where, like, fucking Ron Perlman steps in and goes, chicks, man, or whatever.
1: (laughs) Does he have some... (laughs) Throwaway. <laughs> He's got a nice throwaway uh,
0: comic moment, which which is funny. Which again, at least if you're not tired of Joss Whedon's little tricks, it still works for me. But but that acting <laughs> moment for for Sigourney Weaver and the way she pulls it off is just it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's on point. It just it just works for me, and I'll always love that movie for at least those two scenes. Like I, I really will.
1: Yeah, that shit was just too gross for me, man. Uh, no, but- but- <laughs> too horrifying and i don't know whether i'm distancing or empathizing with it. but any scene where they go into the lab and they're i I, I hate the test subject scene i hate the test Uh, subject scene uh, so much in every movie i'm sure that sigourney weavers was the best test subject scene ever
0: i that's i I've never categorized that see, that that exa- that that trope before. That's a good that's a that's a really good one though. Yeah, that's definitely science <clears> fiction <throat> and particularly science fiction horror. You almost always have, uh, for sure, have the have the the test subject scene or someone's about to either be, about to be tested on or we get we get the the throwaway evil results of the test subject. Um, I don't like those. <laughs> <you> don't like. <laughs> but those. that's just. Me. I understand. Okay. Here's the big deal. What do you feel about the space abortion scene? space abortion scene. <laughs> okay, it's what I call okay, it. I, what Some I, other people call it. So, the, gonna, the, the weird...
1: To, until I remember what you're talking about.
0: Somehow, Sigourney Weaver and the alien mate and create giant skull baby alien. Do you remember this at the end? It's an alien with like... It's a giant alien that has sort of like a human skull for a face. It has a weird little nose flap. And then... Um, and then they basically Sigourney Weaver realizes that it's a monstrosity and that it should never exist. And then she shoots a she shoots a bullet out a window when they're in the uh. going into the atmosphere, and the 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 fucking alien baby is pinned to the window and literally sucked out the hole oh, right. guts okay. first it's hard the to the imagery the imagery is hard to distance yourself from especially in a in a in a series of like this that is super psychosexual and that is a scene i cannot unsee i i was able to recognize exactly what the imagery was when it was happening i couldn't decide how i felt about it as it was going on but i've come to like kind of at least admire that first of all that somehow it got put into a fucking american wide release uh, film and two i just appreciated yeah. feeling a new feeling i guess
1: um yeah of, of is, horror i blocked it out all i remember is the clouds
0: Honestly, <laughs> this, is, this
1: is this is this is like therapy this might be my own like coping distancing mechanisms life through some things like it.
0: you just I block them out. Re- you don't remember all right remember fair thing. enough uh maybe well, for was it her thing.
1: genetic material maybe maybe Yes. So, she yeah, was so the, the and that's the other the thing is that
0: like, it's a nice incident. moment. Again, it's very Joss Whedon, right? She she helped create this thing, and now she literally has to destroy it because it's just it's too, it's not going to function in any way except to hurt itself and other people. And they wisely give Sigourney Weaver no, no, um, no lines there. Oh shit! She doesn't shoot out the window. That's right. No, she's hugging the thing. And she cuts her – she intentionally cuts her hand on its teeth, and then she throws blood on the window. And remember at this point Sigourney Weaver is part alien, so she has acid blood, and it, and it eats <gasps> out the window. Yes, sorry. She doesn't shoot out the window. My bad. So it's not a bullet hole uh, that performs the uh, vacuum abortion on uh, an alien baby. That's clever. Um, but uh, – sh- and she just – and again – de- I, I love the design of that creature. I don't know who's exactly responsible for it. Uh, I think it's so horrific, and and in the sound design, like they give it like the doggy, like mm, like sort of like whiny qualities oh to it, and I just it just it works for me. And the and Sigourney Weaver's got to kill it and murder it. Oh my god! And Brad, I forgot Brad Dorf was in it, and like Brad Dorf being crazy when it's born, he's like wrapped up in the alien goose screaming about the the, the baby. Oh my god! It's so over the top and wonderful. I I just. I think it's I can't defend the movie as a as a good movie, hmm. but I can defend it as like my experience with that movie was solid, and I wow. will always appreciate it for like just yanking me around if nothing else. <laughs>
1: It was happy to yank you around, Chris.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not a viewer that actually goes and seeks out something because someone comes and says, oh, you got to see this movie because it's got this fucked up thing in it and that makes it worth watching. I'm not sure I'll ever watch something like Cannibal Ferox or something like that where it's just, I know it's just super fucked up and that's the appeal mm-hmm. for certain people. Um, I need a good story and I think Alien 4, at least if nothing else, Alien 4 exists in a, in a story universe that I'm already invested in. So of course I'm going to mm-hmm. see it. Um, but I did appreciate that Alien 4, like I said, just, you know, like I said, like like a Rush album, it, it changed its tone and it went there, man. And it went, it was like, this is where we're going, kids, and it's going to be fucking weird space abortions and fucking Skull Babies and, like, sweaty people close-ups of screaming and Brad Dorff going absolutely nuts and Sigourney Weaver taking, you know, it's not really Ripley anymore, but in a completely new direction. And, like, I'm down for that shit. Uh, again, mm-hmm. if you could erase... Winona Ryder from the movie that would make me much happier Um, and I probably would watch it more often if she wasn't in it to be honest with you because I just I think she's horribly miscast and I just I really just don't like that actress that's just a personal thing but like it gave me some surprises that I really dig Um, but I, I definitely need a story for like I will never recommend a movie to someone just because like you gotta see it because it's like this fucked up thing you know, the last time I did that was like Human Centipede. Like I just was like, okay, I've got to see this just because people are talking about it, and 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 I was in a mood at that time to be like, all right, I'll see some fucked up, stupid shit. But I also know that that was that movie was constructed around that one image, so that's different than like a Cannibal Ferox, which is just like these filmmakers who are scrappy and have no money and come up with this fucked up shit. Um, that's Mm -hmm. a whole different, I think that's a very different vibe for me. And that's not my kind of horror. That's not what I, I like again, I like a horror to create an enormous amount of tension in me, give me a really good story that I'm invested in and at least give me three or four scenes where I go, Oh fuck, how would I get out of that situation? How would I, what would I do in that moment? Um, and that tends to be how I like my horror. Um, Again, not that really Alien Resurrection yeah. is that, but whatever.
1: And then there was Alien Resurrection, and then they didn't make any Alien movies for like 10 years or whatever. So. Yes,
0: and that was it, and it killed the franchise. So
1: take, say what you want about it. about what you will.
0: It definitely killed the franchise, and I understand. And again, I even understand why. Like, I totally understand. I mean, but this also, right, really quickly, this also goes back to what we're talking about, right? Like, what we've always been talking about, about these really long-running franchises, right? And four movies maybe isn't isn't long, but it does that does cover... Alien to Alien 4 covers at least 20 some odd years, at least 20, 25 years, right? Um, yeah. What you want when you step into a movie theater of these long-running IPs is so crucial to whether you're – about what you're going to – if you're going to quote-unquote like the movie, particularly on the first viewing, right? We talk about this a lot. Um and you mean your
1: expectations <laughs> as a
0: fan. Yeah, expectations, right? I mean, but it's not just your expectations like like we were talking about, like sometimes with some you know somebody like Logan or Superman, the version of the character that you want may not be on the screen, and you may just have to be ready to accept that. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think with Alien, I think especially with this franchise with these four different directors, yes, there's a sort of there's a through line character and there's a lot of through line imagery, but like Look, Alien's Resurrection apparently was was nobody's version of the alien that they really wanted to see. But I was able to go into that experience ready for whatever new shit they were going to throw down. Excuse me. Um at that time and I still I still enjoy it. I still I, lo- I still like visiting that place. So, anyhow. So just again, always I think it does it really does matter like what people bring to you know, a fourth movie or a seventh movie or Bond's on its 32nd movie or whatever. Star Star Trek is on its 15th or 16th movie. Like, you know, Star Wars is on its, you know, they say it's eight, but, you know, if you count the other movies, it's like, you know, technically 10 or whatever. So, like, what you want that thing to be, I think as fans now, you really have to, like, adjust your expectations and what you think Mm -hmm. and try to come to A movie on two levels. One is the level you want it to be, what the version of the thing you want it to be, and then the other level is what it actually fucking is, what's actually on the screen, what the creative vision of these people are. Um, And I think it's perfectly okay to evaluate it on both levels. I think you can Mm -hmm. really hate a movie for what it didn't give you, for what because you didn't what you wanted, but you can still like the movie for what it is. You might be able to find your way to that. You know, I don't think those two things are are mutually exclusive. You know.
1: Different know. lenses, different hats. No, I mean that's. <laughs> I just want to say one reason I really like aliens, talking about science fiction tropes, was and it. You know, we don't deal this with this in cinematic science fiction so much. It's sort of a hard science fiction area because it's hard to represent. Mm. But just the idea that, again, that the aliens are really not like us. Yeah. You know, we have a completely weird idea from movies that we'll meet an alien and they'll have head and fingers and bipedal and breathe oxygen or whatever and just speak a different language. Right. Not at all. We could meet a life form that like yep. you know it burps and it kills us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have some completely different structure, morality, yes. chemistry going on in their bodies. And they don't really do that with aliens because it is a bipedal form and breathes our same yeah. air. But it's nice that they draw the horror from the idea of Facing something completely unknown that it's just – you have no context even right. for how how to deal with that because it's just – and it does have reason to interact with us humans in a weird way just as hosts right. and uh, just to prey on us, which begs the question. I never see the aliens eat either. Do they ever eat it? Yeah,
0: we've like, never – that's something that a lot of people talk about. Yeah, it's like what the fuck do these things eat? Like they don't fucking <laughs> seem – they just seem to murder people but they don't consume them. So like what the fuck are these right. things eating? Yeah. Um, We don't know.
1: In the tapeworm model, they would eat their way out of the host, and that would be gross, too. Yes. Right? Anyway, just to say, in in that way, um, aliens are presenting the the alien that you uh, truly know nothing about. Yes. Which is, in its own way, probably the most realistic kind of alien. Yeah,
0: no, totally. Aliens are alien. (laughs) <laughs> aliens are aliens that's right Snozberries taste like snozberries. okay so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we've come to the end of October and our sci-fi trope month I've had a lot of fun with this Dom I think this is fun to do I'm enjoying yep. being able to sort of bounce around between these things and um and draw parallels and, and talk about shit I mean I don't know maybe to the outside world it's just the same it's just us going on random rants about stuff I don't know but it seems to feel different a little bit for me which I enjoy um so thank you for that, and thank you guys for joining us. We usually end with what we're working on. Um, I am, of course, still in, in lovely um, post-production land in Joanne. I will be in the U, the U. the U.S. of A. Uh, in early November for good old the Amer- good old American film market, um, going on the stump, even though my movie's not done yet. But whatever, um, otherwise creatively, that's that's sort of what's happening. Dom, what's going on in your world? Anything else? <laughs>
1: Well, I'm working on this and that. I'm kind of narcissistically working on my uh, my writer brand right now. It's, it seems it's good foolish to say I just can't figure out whether Dominic Ma or Dom Ma is more search engine optimized. I mean, they're both okay. Oh. And I'm sorry. It, it's uh, I I realize you have an opposite kind of problem here because because there are several dudes with with your name. Oh, for there, sure. And I wonder how you negotiate among them. But both Dominic and Dom are like on on the verge of being a, a nice search engine optimization and, Sweet. But you're supposed to figure out when. Anyway, blah 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 is very <laughs> <laughs> So Tom's wearing. Very, working on very modern very modern navel gazing issue to be talking <laughs> about at the moment.
0: But also very cool that I think people need to understand that like, you know, this is now part of our job, right? It's crazy pants. Like we used to be able to just be artists mm-hmm. or writers or directors or whatever, but you can't. You've got to be fucking an artist that understands how to search SEO your own goddamn name. I mean, it's part of our business now this is what it is. I think you're yeah. being a smart business person at this point. You're being a smart entrepreneurial mm-hmm. artist, um, to engage, even engage with that question. Um, so that's what you're working on and that's awesome. All right, folks. Remember, we love you. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you like us, just go ahead and drop a review on iTunes if you can. It helps people find us. Uh, we got the old Facebook page, elevating the genre on Facebook um, we got the WordPress elevating the genre, whatever. Just plug it into Google. We're the only thing that's out there about that. Um, so, uh, yeah, man. We're excited to continue on with Volume 2 into next month, November. And this is where I get to do the little teasy tease. Look, man, next month, November, we're going to be talking about myths and legends and how they sort of cross mm-hmm. over into geek culture. We've got some really fun stuff to sort of talk about about how myths and legends are used in mind for everything from TV and film to games to role-playing to novels to comics, all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, slightly different um, slightly different uh, topic. Uh, but we're both excited about it. So thanks, ladies and gentlemen. We've been Elevating the Genre. I've been Christopher, and that has been
1: My Experts Tell Me I'm Dom Moth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will see you next time. Ciao! Bye.